A very warm welcome to our listeners. Uh, welcome to the podcast of Curious Minds Social News. And we have with us a very special guest. Yes, we have with us the world number 2 from the World Championship of Public Speaking 2015. Yes, please welcome Aditya Maheshwaran. He is a management consultant based in London. He is also a professional speaker, coach and a TEDx speaker. He has worked with various MNCs including Fortune 500 MNCs. He also works with promoters, government and even startups. He specializes on various topics, some of them being world economy, management, behavioral sciences, psychology, and he has interest in history and other subjects as well. Welcome, Mr. Aditya. Thank you, Deepika. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure is ours too. Uh, all right, we are here for our listeners. Uh, please stay tuned because there are surprises coming up for sure. And we have some questions lined up for you, Aditya. we'll begin with the first one what are some of the challenges grappling the world leaders and decision makers in times like this during the lockdown and covid-19 the whole world seems to be on a lockdown so what do you think thanks deepika uh, in my role as a management consultant this is the central question um, that occupies my mind especially in the last couple of months because my role as a management consultant is to serve my clients and probably even advise them on uh, what are some of the leadership issues management issues that they are facing today and what they might be facing in the future i find through my interaction with clients across the world especially in the last 6 weeks or so dipika that okay. the biggest issue is how do we perform today as well as transform ourselves for the future this entire paradox between perform transform is is amplified in situations like a covid-19 let me explain uh, perform is nothing but how do we ensure the company doesn't go bankrupt in the short term uh, how do we manage our costs how do we ensure that we have uh, the right number of people but again take hard decisions like letting go of people if we can't manage costs how do we manage remote working when we don't have offices to work in all of these are short term decisions to take for leaders and a lot of leaders are grappling with getting these things right depending on the industry they are in some industries are more affected some industries are not that affected but at the same time if leaders are laying too much focus only on performing today or setting their organizations right with the current issues they may not even exist in a year or two from now because the entire landscape of how business is going to happen uh is dramatically changing some of it we are already see some of it which we may not even be aware of so that's the second bit of transform uh which is is my business model even going to be the same in one year from now uh, are my customers going to be the same set of customers am i going to produce the same products i'm producing today mm-hmm. do we even need a back end office or a front end sales team are things going to go more virtual so so if i'm not thinking of the future uh my company may not exist in the future but at the same time if i'm not thinking of the current issues uh i may go into bankruptcy soon so the fundamental problem deepika that i find leaders and management teams face now is how do i play the short term game at the same time keep the long term game in mind right yes the long term impact of a company is going to not exist anymore and it has been 
we don't know how is it going to happen how how can we how can is there a specific way that uh, anybody a small entrepreneur or a big entrepreneur can think whether what is the future what is there in future for me and how do i survive well absolutely so this is not really a new thing because of the covid-19 we find that the largest companies in the history of modern economy um have failed in the last 20 years like uh, yahoo or nokias yes. of the world or um kodak all these are typical management case studies which business school students study just to ensure that they don't repeat similar mistakes that these companies did so it's not very different uh today just that the acceleration of change is so much more today than even in the early 2000s meaning if for company uh had a safety net of 10 years before which it could fail today it's probably yeah. one year before it could fail oh, so that, that's dramatic that's very dramatic so one of the things that uh, entrepreneurs or leaders as you said need to keep in mind is uh, are they too inward focused that they are missing out on the signals of the market meaning what are their customers telling them that they're not listening to what are their employees telling them that they're not listening to or what is the patterns that's emerging that they are blind to because they're caught up in their own management structures or investor relationships that our minds are not focused on where it should be focused on that becomes more important today than ever before that's uh, that's really tricky here and and it's uh, it's a lot of thought for all the leaders i guess across industries and acceleration of change yes so moving on from here to the next question how have you been spending your time during the lo- lockdown in london and, and we are quite curious to know about it hmm so i've been doing three things that pops to my mind when you ask this question deepika one is uh, uh i understand how big a burden it can be on organizations and the clients i serve so my first priority over the last 8 weeks is so have been uh how do i serve my clients better how can i be there for them better can i offer some services pro bono for them mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. can i can i help them think differently about their businesses or can i just hold a mirror where they can be more self aware about taking more objective decisions so uh, it is not so much about profitability to consulting but it's more about just being there for my clients um especially large organizations and cxos when when they need it most the second uh, thing i'm doing is this is a great opportunity for all of us to equip our own skills isn't it uh, and skills uh, not just in terms of professional skills but also our own physical fitness mental fitness spiritual fitness so i've been uh, reading more than i used to before <laughs> i've t- i've yeah. taken up some courses myself online that i'm trying to do i've mm-hmm. uh, i knew that it's very easy when you're at home 24/7 to slip into a lazy routine so i've tried exactly. to align my schedule with the circadian cycle which is waking up uh, before sunset and sleeping hopefully mm-hmm. before 10 o'clock so i've tried to uh, ensure that i use this time to follow a rhythm and process myself the third thing is uh, after helping my clients and ensuring that i'm helping myself uh, i'm trying to Uh, be of as much help to others uh, because i'm also a mental health first responder in my organization which means that 
the crisis can make some people feel down and depressed mm-hmm. uh, either because of isolation or being separated from their family or just some people are being laid off or being furloughed in the UK here um, or even in India. Yes. So I'm trying to make myself available more than I used to before for just a conversation, chat, some mentoring, coaching. Um, so these are three things that's primarily keeping me occupied, Deepika. That's interesting. And I hope uh, there's a lesson for our readers here, for our listeners here to uh, take from and how can they think towards helping their clients or partners rather than thinking about profits or uh, making more business out of it in, in times like this. Mm, well, moving on to the third question, what would be your top advice to the business heads for the new normal? We hear this phrase new normal everywhere. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a new normal considering we were ever at a normal before that. Yes. <laughs> the last two decades, uh, you know, we had the dot-com bubble and then we had the Asian recession, then we had the financial recession, um, then we then we had a few years of growth, then we had um, then we are now having the COVID nineteen. So uh, it's it's been long since we had a prolonged period of normalcy, but it is in this furnace that good leaders are also produced, because some leaders who entered the workforce um, the last ten twelve years or so. Uh, are native to change because they enter during a recession. Within 10 years, they're going through another crisis. So they kind of tuned in to see this as normal. Uh, however, uh, there are going to be some important implications for business heads. Number one is uh, there's going to be a real question about uh, how social is your organization, meaning how much is your organization aligned to large problems the world is facing like climate change or uh, basically putting purpose over profit because we cannot afford another crisis like uh, COVID-19 or any other natural calamity of this, this, this size and this, um, this global reach. So there's going to be uh, pressure from the stakeholders. There's going to be pressure from regulatory bodies. There's going to be pressure from non-profits, non-government organizations. There's going to be pressure from the lobbyists uh, and there's going to be pressure from public through social media Mm -hmm. to respect organizations, to invest in organizations which have an equal balance between purpose and profit. By purpose, I mean purpose of giving back uh, as a responsible company with their carbon footprints, uh, the impact, the burden they're creating on the society. I also feel there are some industries that that may replace other traditional industries. Um, like fitness and well-being is going to become a big thing in the future. Mm-hmm. So a good leader would be, a good business head would be able to spot these patterns, but also start putting purpose over profit, not as a tick in the box, but as the primary purpose of leadership is to create positive impact to the world. I think that hopefully uh, would be a change that business heads should keep in mind. It's not just profit maximization. The second thing that leaders uh, and business heads, I keep recommending them to do is build resilience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a personal, personal skill to develop. It's a trait, in fact, not a skill. Right. Where how can I handle failure? A lot of organizations, Deepika, that I work for, yeah. 
uh, in the last six years or so, I have hired so many leaders in different parts of the organization. They all have a method to hire leaders. They have an assessment. They have some hiring processes. They test for certain competencies. But now during COVID-19, they're realizing 70% of their leaders are not rising up to the occasion. That's great. That's I mean, yeah. Yeah. astounding. Yeah. The, astounding. And does that mean that all their assessment criteria, their hiring process, the interviews were all wrong? It just means that uh, in good times, uh, most people can be good leaders. It's only in bad times that um, the, the test of leadership uh, comes out. As I like to say in leadership, the test comes before the lesson, yeah. unlike in schools and colleges where the test comes after the lesson. Definitely. So it's a reader's responsibility to build a sense of resilience, to, to be able to handle failure, to uh, operate as a service center and not just a demand center of what they want. Uh, and that requires continuous learning. So that is going to be of paramount importance. Uh, resilience as a term is going to be of paramount importance in the next five to 10 years. I, uh, I would like to quote a small uh, story here. I was uh, doing mathematics with my uh, uh, elder one daughter and she, uh-huh. I have been telling her, you know how to do it. You know the process. So just try and do it. And she got scared that did I demand of her to be correct? I said, no, darling, it's okay to fail. It's okay if you get it wrong five times or 10 times. What I want you to is just keep your focus because you just know the formula, how to do it. And I I, I was uh, thinking myself as a mother, I should not teach her. I, I don't want to give her that value that failing is wrong. It's okay mm. to fail, but it's not okay to give up. And it, it really reminds me of resilience. and. Uh, That's a beautiful story, Deepika. Yes. In fact, what you did with your daughter you'd be surprised to know is what organizations are trying to do at with billions of dollars. Right. <laughs> Meaning, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's Google, for example, uh, invests a lot of money on rewarding failures recently mm-hmm. because they realize that the cost of employees being afraid to stand up and say, I have failed, mm-hmm. the cost of that is so much more Yes. than if employees are able to say confidently, you know what, this project I don't think will succeed. Let's click, let's kill it now. Otherwise, they're going to spend one more year on it, more cost on it, just because they were afraid to stand up and say this is not going to work. So organizations are trying to build this culture which is uh, which is which celebrates failure, which talks about. Uh, uh, there are a lot of these events that's coming up around the world. Um, which, which where people and entrepreneurs get together and only share failure stories and everybody claps at the end of the day. Yes. So basically, we all need psychological safety, which is feeling safe. You know, as young children physically feel safe in front of, with, when mothers are around. Similarly, as adults, psychologically, we need to feel safe uh, when our leaders are around. And that is something which the 20th century leadership did not build in. And now it's becoming a big thing in organizations. That's, that's nice. That's interesting to hear. Uh, moving on to our next question. Uh, millennials are soon getting, going to get into leadership roles. So how is it going to be different? What is going to be different? And what is your line of advice for them to be prepared to step into leadership roles? Hmm. There was this 
white paper that uh, the organization I worked for, Hay Group, published, I think, 10 years ago. It was called The Death of the Alpha Male. It was a very provocative title. Yeah. <laughs> it was, what it was trying to say is the 20th century was all about alpha males, right? There used to be one mm-hmm. leader, one strong person who mm-hmm. stands and represents the entire organization, like Henry Ford, Steve Jobs, and uh, all of these uh, so-called alpha male who are better than everybody else. But in 21st century, because of technology, because of how the world is connected, and there is no... Everybody has the same information because of Google and internet. So there is no requirement of one alpha male to stand up. It's going to be a much more interconnected, interpersonal leadership that's going to be more important. So for a millennial who's getting into leadership positions now, it's very important to understand it's not about them. It's about the cause. It's about the purpose or it's about others, right? Uh, I remember... Um, reading in the Economist magazine a few weeks ago about a lady who was working in the White House in the U.S. who just retired after, you know, held, after serving, I think, four different presidents in the last 20, 25 years. She said that whenever she came out of a meeting uh, with Barack Obama, she would feel that she's the president of the United States. <laughs> whenever she came out of the meeting with Donald Trump, she used to feel he's the president of the United States, right? right? right. So the ability to, to, to make other people feel strong as a result of your interaction with them, uh, instead of the ability to make the other people fear you or respect you more as a result of your interaction with them, it's a big difference. And, 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 and the Gen Z is, you know, does not really care about how charismatic you are if you don't give them the respect or dignity that they feel entitled to these days, as compared to probably my grandfather's generation where nothing is entitled, right? So that's one big shift that uh, uh, millennial leaders should understand. While it's important to have role models of the previous generation, but leadership in the new generation may not just be equal to following the role models you had when you joined the workforce. It's going to be very different. Another skill, Deepika, is... uh, is how do I influence without formal authority or physical presence? Meaning organizations are moving from typical hierarchy structures to very different kind of organizational structures, network structures, where you don't really have a particular boss. You have networks of teams that come in when they have to work on a client project, and then they disperse again to work with other people to work on other client projects. So you work with many small clusters of team instead of one boss or one team all your life. Right. Which means you can't really influence people because you have a formal authority or a title given to you. You've got to influence people because what you're saying makes sense that you have logical uh, arguments to, to lay out before them, not because you're the boss. Yes. So to learn how to influence even without formal hierarchy or reporting relationships, is going to be of huge importance for leaders to make their mark in the future. Especially um, in, in areas where there is no one right answer. For example, we have a million dollars. Where do we invest it? There is no one right answer. You could buy another company. You could um, reinvest that money back into buying more assets. Or you could give it to your foundation for some social costs. 
or you could pay dividends to your shareholders <laughs> there are so many things you can do with something so there's no good answer so a, in a in a boardroom conversation therefore it is not about what's the right answer it's about who's able to influence um uh, the best in that particular situation so that's another very important skill and the third and last skill that i would i would probably lay a lot of emphasis on is the gen z and the new workforce do not learn or do not obey because someone asks them to yes they cool. they they do something because they see it in another person for display so back in the day 20 years ago i used to make fun of my dad because my dad used to wake me up at 6 in the morning Mm-hmm. and ask me to study and he would go back to sleep <laughs> and i would tell my dad uh, <laughs> if you ask me to wake up early why are you going back to sleep after that <laughs> right? right and yes. then my dad would say i never used to speak to my dad like that you obey your dad <laughs> because your dad says it but i used to wonder why should i obey him if he goes back to sleep but that is so much more 100 times more these days with kids as well as the gen z workforce that you just cannot say something and expect people to follow it it needs to be available for observation in your own behavior so so the millennial leaders as you said deepika need to be very very um uh, sensitive about are they following their own message are they doing what they're asking from their workforce to do so that role modeling becomes very important as well yeah very uh, well noted uh, and very uh, i agree i mean that is a very enlightening point for m- me myself as a millennial aditya that role mm-hmm. modeling is so much more important i feel it as a mother and as an even as a small entrepreneur uh, mm. but the impact of it uh, and these skills being made used to by millennials i guess uh, are going to be very very important in coming times however would you like to recommend any reads you have a deep interest in history and um, i'm sure you would follow uh, you would have an understanding of how leaders have transformed from uh, maybe the baby boomer period to until now uh, are there some books which you think are evergreen or are there some emerging uh, studies that would help our listeners absolutely i mean these are the days when uh, a, a a person living in bombay or africa or australia or, or europe or uh, south america or us you live anywhere all you need is a broadband connection and you can access um, the best of courses online so a lot of courses from harvard and yale and stanford and it's all available for free so all you need to do is um, take up a course on say fundamentals of business or um, financial um, uh, securities or um, you know human psychology or whatever your favorite subject is the mm-hmm. trick here deepika is what i've observed is uh, interdisciplinary knowledge is going to be very important in the future which means yeah. like steve jobs famously said his creativity for apple and the fonts came from him learning calligraphy earlier in his life which had nothing to do with computers but he was able to use that knowledge in a totally different field to computers later and it's going to be so true in the future things are going to converge like for example um 20 years earlier deepika if i had gone to a ceo and said can you pay a big amount and i will teach your 
leaders mindfulness and meditation and yoga he would have laughed at me and said we are not some yogis in a cave in himalayas now ceos spend millions of dollars on well being and take their leaders for yoga retreats and mindfulness courses and mindfulness is such a huge concept in management now that it never was because people are realizing that there is no answer at the end of the day and human suffering and human happiness there is no destination to that so the interdisciplinary connections are increasing so much and let me give you an example philosophy psychology management theory uh finance and economics all of these are going to be so connected a great example of that was uh, daniel kahneman's research on behavioral economics who realized that people don't invest because of financial model says so people invest irrationally it's they have biases so the field of psychology and finance merged 30 years ago because of that but more and more fields are going to merge in the future we're going to go back to how it was uh, 1000 years 2000 years ago when when a philosopher is also a doctor is also a poet is also a st- uh, you know politician so it's it's no more core specializations alone it's going to be the um a confluence of many areas so the implication on that on reading as you said deepika is i would request people never to stick to just one subject that you're passionate about try to draw insights from multiple subjects uh read a book on philosophy then read a book on management read a book on current affairs read a book on business history so all of it evolutionary biology <laughs> astrophysics yes. you know right. all of these things are very interesting uh, if you want to know how organizations have evolved there is a lot to learn from how human beings have evolved if you want to know why leaders take some decisions today there is a lot of things to understand about neuroscience and biochemistry right so how cortisol how cortisol as a stress hormone works how endorphin as a ha- happiness hormone works knowing that will help you be a better leader in your organization so a lot of this is still nascent in its research but it's useful to have multiple interests in terms of what you want to read great aditya you have already influenced me to start thinking towards the interdisciplinary bit of it and um, yes there is a takeaway for our listeners that specializations or multiple specializations or or knowing about different fields and then bringing them back to work that's going to be important and that's a lot of food for thought already all right um, aditya moving on to the last question uh, although we don't want it to end it has been so enlightening and wonderful to hear to you uh, it must stop nevertheless but we have one question uh, what is that one advice from the bottom of your heart for budding public speakers hmm budding public speakers now we go from consulting which is my profession to public <laughs> speaking which is really my passion uh, yes i mean i have found this out through a lot of effort uh, self effort deepika which is at some point you realize to cross that gra- glass ceiling in public speaking you got to realize it's not about you it's about them uh because initially public speaking like any other thing gives you a lot of excitement energy people clap people say hey wow you're such a terrific speaker uh so it becomes more about you than about your audience it may work once or twice but why would a group of 50 people or 100 or 1000 people listen to you if your concern is more about how well you are doing on stage 
as compared to what value am I offering to my audience? When you make that shift to what value am I offering to them? It's about them. So what connects to them? What will relate to them? What do I want them to do differently? More than uh, am I looking fine or am I having the punchlines in place or uh, am I getting the claps? So that's a psychological shift. But as a public speaker, we must realize it's about the audience. It's not, not about ourselves. So that's at a psychological level. At a more tangible level, mm-hmm. my advice to as- aspirational public speakers is always uh, learn the basic skills and there is no substitute for practice and stage time. Meaning, when someone tells me these days, Deepika, that I'm afraid of public speaking, I immediately ask them, tell me the number of times you've been on stage in your life. And they tell me, once in my fifth grade and once in my 12th standard. And then, yeah, that's all. And I tell them, if that's all you've been on stage to, you better be afraid of stage. <laughs> how, can you, how, can you, how can you not be afraid if you've never stepped on stage often enough? So getting enough stage time is very important. Find your way to get on stage. It doesn't need to be in a big stage with 1,000 people. It could be even uh, leading, leading the client call in your office. It could be um, telling your boss that you would like to do the sales update meeting instead of him. It is uh, offering your local community um, uh, chapters or community clubs, telling, going and volunteering there. One for volunteering, but number two, you are getting stage time. There is no substitute for um, uh, for stage time. As I I keep telling uh, people, Deepika, you you can learn. There are a few things you should you can learn only by doing it, not by reading about it. For example, swimming. You can't learn swimming by reading a book on swimming. You've got to be in water, otherwise you'll drown. <laughs> you cannot learn dance by reading it from a book. You've got to be on stage dancing. Similarly, is public speaking. You've got to be on stage. And uh, not just reading a book or listening to a person on public speaking. That's uh, that's interesting. Yes, and practice. Yes, again, uh, I hope our readers enjoyed, our listeners enjoyed this podcast and uh, all that we had to take away uh, from Mr. Aditya. We would leave uh, his website details and other credentials in the show notes. And Aditya, thank you so much for being with us and spending time with us over this podcast this afternoon. And we wish you uh, a safe and healthy environment. And let's get, uh, let's hope the world comes out of this COVID-19 as stronger and with more refined thoughts as leaders and as individuals of what we are up to and what changes await us. Thank you, Deepika. And uh, congratulations to you for offering this service to your listeners uh, in these troubled times. And I hope it's of use to everybody who's tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And that's a bye-bye.